Animal Gear Written by Drew Scott Planned by Sakai Dozier and Jordan Buckingham Narrated by Sakai Dozier Sequence 2 Scene 2 Some time has passed since the minor squabble between Mansers at Diego's steakhouse. Business has slowed a bit as the encroach of evening brought rains along with it, leaving many tables and booths in the dining room without customers to occupy them. We find Quetzal aiding Diego in the kitchen, while the remainder of their staff manage the few patrons that filter in, tidying the tables and bar as necessary. Outside of the normal pots, pans, and utensils, an odd gauntlet connected to an over-the-shoulder harness and metal slatted tank of roughly a foot in length lays on the counter behind Diego. Quetzal is examining the tank and the gauntlet, his trusty bag of tools also on the counter. Hey, kid. Pour me some of that aether, hello. Why? You've never shown any mancer potential. Well, maybe something's changed in the last few weeks. That's not how it works. But anything is possible, I suppose. With this, Quetzal reaches into his trusty bag of tools and pulls out a small vial. Inside of the vial is a teal tincture. After examining the vial to make sure nothing has gone wrong with it, he hands it off to Diego. Diego... Holding the vial, focuses his eyes on it. He clenches his fist. But nothing seems to happen. Nothing occurs. Damn it! I still don't get it. What muscle do I flex? It's difficult for everyone, or at least that's what I've heard. Some magnates train for years just to create even a spark. I admit, even though I know the basic principles... I can't even do it. Goddamn nobles and their noble blood. Frickin' cheat it is. Diego hands the vial back to Quetzal, who carefully places the vial back into his bag. As Quetzal is doing this, Diego picks up the gauntlet from the counter and affixes it to his hand whilst hoisting its connected harness onto his shoulder. That ain't so bad, though. Seeing as we can cheat right back with this thing. I wouldn't call the heat gear cheating. It's just uh, leveling the playing field. After giving his bag another once-over to ensure his liquid creation was securely placed, Quetzal goes about the business of washing his hands and wiping down the counter, moving his bag from said counter to the floor. As he's doing this, Diego, having finished affixing the heat gear's harness, reaches to the pauldron of the gear, on which a valve and switch are affixed. Turning the valve and flicking the switch, Diego winces slightly. Still haven't gotten used to that shoulder pinch when this thing starts up. That's still necessary, unfortunately. It's the best non-invasive way I've found to wake the body up for Mancy. Well, no pain, no gain, I guess. Returning his attention to the task at hand, Diego holds an iron-wrought pan in his free hand, while splaying his gauntlet-sheathed palm above it. In moments, the steak inside of the pan begins to sizzle, cooking from the inside out. 
In a matter of minutes, the smell of cooked meat fills the room. The juices of the grub are trickling out onto the pan. Diego smiles, licking his lips at the sight. The meat is ready to go. This heat gear really does the trick. Folks from all over town come for the taste of mancer-cooked meals. Tastes like the real thing, they say. That's good to hear. Heat Gear version 1.5 appears to be working pretty well. Although, I'm already working on designs for version 1.6. Of course you are. Think you could do something about that pinch when I turn it on? Uh, well, uh, we'll see. Diego chuckles a bit at this, nodding with a knowing smile, as he hands the meat off to Quetzal for the final preparative touches. Quetzal proceeds to chop and plate the meat onto various entrees with a practiced eye. After giving the food arrangement one last once-over, Quetzal takes the entree in each hand and promenades them over to the pickup window. Order up, please! As Quetzal returns to his work in the kitchen, we linger on the plates for a moment. Two moments. And then a moment too long. Then, another pair of entrees gets placed next to the plates upon which our gaze lingers. We spare a glance out to the dining room, where a scruffy-looking young male ocelot is taking orders at the table. He is aware of the waiting food, looking from his patrons to the prep window intravenously. We return to the food briefly, but our culinary reverie is short-lived this time, as a female voice speaks from out of frame. Oh, I got it. A pair of feminine bird talons reach into the frame, scooping up us and the plates into their practiced grasp. The talons appear to be attached to a somewhat irritated macaw, who goes about the business of deftly delivering the entrees to their waiting patrons. The ocelot watches on with a bit of frustration, having just finished making his way to the prep window after taking his orders. Three filet red skimmers and mash! he calls, before returning his attention to the source of his frustration. He glares at the young macaw, who's returned to wiping down her station at the bar. You don't need to worry about delivering orders when I'm working the dining room, Vivian. You're gonna mess with my tips. You look like your hands were full. And since I've got nothing to do at the bar right now... You always do that. You know you don't get a damn thing for it. Well, maybe if you want so slow, Sol. Maybe if you minded your own business. Saul, now quite incensed, approaches the bar as he says this, matching Vivian's slightly teasing gaze with a frustrated glare. If there was a joke to be had, he could not see it. However... Before he could spark up another round of verbal jousting with his colleague, another of his colleagues, a large male otter, cuts in. Please don't fight again. That's the third time today. As he says this, another waitress, wiping down a table nearby, perks up. Three times? Is that right, Victor? Those you two have... 
Anything else, Toto? At this query, Saul and Vivian halt their mutual glaring match just long enough to sweep their eyes across the dining room. It is about as sparsely filled as it was before, with one patron other than the set Saul had serviced. That patron was lounging quietly in the corner booth, likely drunk off his mind. They looked to each other briefly, before turning their eyes to their sloth colleague. Not, Not really. really, they said in unison, before resuming their argument. We cut to the kitchen, where Diego, busy preparing three red skimmers, is rolling his eyes as he hears the muffled argument through the kitchen walls. He calls over his shoulder to Quetzal. Sounds like Saul and Vivian are at it again. Could you keep them busy with something? Quetzal sighs. Kind of a slow afternoon, huh? Hold on. I might have just the thing. Hefting his backpack up from the floor to the kitchen counter, he reaches in and pulls out a vial of aloe from before. After flicking it twice to ensure the solution inside had not fully settled, Quetzal makes his way out to the dining room floor, shouldering the bag while carrying the vial in his hand. Vivian is the first to notice him. Oi, Quetzal, are you going home early today? Saul balks at this statement. What? Why does he get to go home early? Victor, also, is surprised by this statement. What about the dinner rush later? The sloth, still working diligently at her table, doesn't give a heed to any of what's going on. Quetzal takes his backpack and puts it down on the table upon which she is working. She again doesn't seem to mind. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not leaving. I want you guys to try something. It's sort of an experiment. You're turning us into nuts, aren't you? <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. I, I invented something that you guys might want to try out. This perks the sloth's interest. She looks up from her work. Your artificial ether aloe, right? All four of them look in surprise. Apparently they had forgotten she was there. Uh, oh, uh, uh, yeah, that's right. How'd you figure that out, Agatha? Hi, listen. Sometimes. Regaining his composure, Quetzal carefully slides a vial of Aetheralo out of his backpack. How much do you guys know about Mansi? Victor is visibly confused. Nancy? Uh, who's Nancy? Saul slaps him cajolingly on the back. He has said Mansi. You know. Fireballs, lightning, muscle magic. As he says muscle magic, Saul flexes his arms dramatically. He's not as muscular as he likes to pretend he is. Vivian laughs a little. Oh, I know a lot about Nancy. Everybody knows about that. Agatha also nods, but continues her work. 
Quetzal continues his explanation. We researchers call it transomaniation, but it's usually shortened to mansonation, or mansy for most folks. I've spent years researching how this stuff works, even down to the tiniest particles involved. It works, uh, it's, it's kind of like, uh, hold on. Hey, Diego, can I have a potato? Diego responds from out of frame. Sure thing, kid. A potato flies into the frame, and Quetzal, surprised, only barely manages to palm it, accidentally juggling it from hand to hand. It looks like Quetzal's about to let it touch the floor, but a sloth hand deftly reaches into the frame and catches it. The possessor of the arm, Agatha, steps into the frame and gently hands the potato to Quetzal. Quetzal's a little embarrassed scratching the back of his head as he accepts the potato. Uh, thanks, Agatha. Uh, now, pay attention, guys! He holds the potato up to his chest. Now pretend this potato is my soul. I want to do some mancy, so I break a tiny piece off. Uh, then I, uh, uh, hold on. He grabs a knife from the table and chops off a fairly large chunk of the potato. Oh my, that's a big piece of your soul, Victor comments. Vivian shakes her head, rolling her eyes. He's just an example, yes. No, no, Victor does have a point. These particles are actually smaller than the eye can see. This piece is a little big because... On the chunk of potato, he carves the word mash into it. I need to imbue it with a command. Vivian tilts her head questioningly. You wanted to mash itself? Yes, exactly. After I inscribe the command, I compel it to travel through my body. He puts the potato chunk in his shirt and moves it through one sleeve to the other hand. He pushes it through the sleeve and onto the table. As it exits my body, it follows the command I gave it, specifically, to mash. The potato, of course, does not move. Uh, well, uh, if I was some kind of potato-mancer, that is. Saul begins to pull at his chin, thinking. So, when those fire-mancers created that fire earlier today, it came from their souls? Vivian snaps her fingers. I remember now. Firemancers are domaguses. They can create fire out of nothing. Although magus can control fire, lightning, heat up things, and cool them off. But only one of those at a time. Good, good. Those do tend to be the most popular types. Victor nods. I've always wanted to be an old magus. I heard they can make their muscles large whenever they want. Saul shakes his head. You would want that. You're too lazy to work out. Saul flexes his arms again. They have some muscle, but not enough to impress Vivian, who shakes her head with a small laugh at the display. Quetzal continues the lesson.
So, can anyone name the last kind of mancer? Agatha, how about you? Agatha shakes her head while continuing to collect dirty dishes from the table. Vivian tries to think of something, but is at a loss. That's, um... Soul is also uncertain. Quetzal continues. They're called Mate Magus. They control earth, air, water, and other types of matter. They tend to be extremely specialized. Saul scoffs. <laughs> Sounds pretty useless to me. I want to control fire, like Bartor's bodyguard last night. No one would mess with me anymore. Vivian brings a thoughtful hand to her chin. Controlling lightning sounds useful. Or maybe... Or maybe melting gold with just a touch. You never know what kind of mancy you might be capable of. That's why we have this Aether Allo. So, anyone want to try it out? Me I want first. to try. Both Vivian and Saul rush Quetzal, trying to get at the vial. Well, Quetzal, somehow, manages to keep it out of their hands, darting this way and that, just avoiding their grasps. I haven't explained what it does yet! At this, Vivian and Saul freeze. They take a step back. Oh, right. Well, it's obvious what it does. That's why I should have it first. Victor steps in between the macaw and the ocelot. From what I understand, mancers use it to practice mancy. Quetzal points at Victor. Yes, exactly. Mancers use this for training and also for testing mancer potential. At this, Vivian is a little disappointed. Oh, is that it? Well, I already know I'm not one. You boys have fun. Vivian saunters back to the bar. Saul nods in agreement. Yeah, the same. I'm sure I would know already if I was a man, sir. Quetzal's a bit disappointed, but he turns to Victor. Would you like to try first? You never know. Victor approaches gingerly and reaches out to take the vial. His eyes are filled with hope. I've always wondered, you know. Suddenly, Vivian sneaks up from behind and snatches the vial out of his hands. Do you know what? I changed my mind. Vivian starts to uncork the vial with the intent to drink it, which causes Quetzal not a small amount of concern. Ah! No! Don't do that! It's bitter. Also, it is definitely not for drinking. Seeing a moment to... Get one up on Vivian. Saul chimes in. Yes, yeah, seriously, Vivian. Everybody knows that. Vivian looks a little bit sheepish. I'm just testing you guys. <laughs> so I just uh, stare into it? Yeah, it might take a little while. Try concentrating. Vivian holds the vial in her talons glares at it. After a moment, she shakes it, and shakes it again. Then she hands it back to Victor. 
I'm pretty sure it's broken. Saul jumps on this opportunity. My turn! Grabbing the vial from Victor's hands, he holds it in his for a brief moment. Ugh, so sweaty. Is this from you, Vivian? Vivian shakes her head at this. Oh, please. Katzel, looking on with slight distress, but trying his best to roll with the situation, comments. Please, be careful. I only have a few of these. Saul holds the vial tightly in both hands and stares into it intensely. He makes a low humming noise as he continues to focus. But after a few moments, he gives up. He... I think it's broken. With this, he tosses the vial back to Quetzal. Quetzal is surprised by the action and only barely manages to palm the vial out of the air, ending up juggling it, much like he did the potato before. And just like before, a sloth talon reaches into the frame and catches it very quickly. Holding the vial daintily between her two sloth talons, Agatha once again walks into the frame, this time carrying a pile of plates in her other hand that she had gathered from all the rest of the tables while everyone else was gallivanting and having fun. She stops for a brief moment in front of Quetzal, offering him the vial. Good catch! Why don't you try? At this, Agatha nods in her nonchalant way. She then holds the vial in her grasp and stares into it. Not intensely, but just with an easy-eyed look. After a few moments, she returns it to Quetzal, shaking her head. Quetzal sighs. Well, it was worth a try. So, it's finally your turn, Victor. Victor, having slumped into a booth in dejection at not getting a chance with the vial, stands. He's ready to try. Oh, thank you. Victor takes the vial from Quetzal and concentrates onto it, but nothing seems to happen. He focuses in a bit more, unconsciously gripping it tightly. And as he does so, the vial squicks out from between his fingers, tumbling towards the floor. Reacting instinctively, Victor kicks his foot out to try and catch the vial, knocking it into the air. Through the air it flies, headed towards some unknown destination. Or perhaps a destination that Agatha was aware of, as she snatches it from the air as deftly as she did before. Having now caught an item for Quetzal three times in the same day, she felt the need to speak. Be more careful, Quetzal. Right. Sorry about that. Victor also apologizes. This, this is my fault. I, I shouldn't have... I shouldn't have asked. That's all right. That's all right. It was an accident, you know. Here, uh, let me go get that for you. 
Victor goes and takes the vial from Agatha, handing it back to Quetzal. Are you sure the aloe was working? Quetzal nods as he goes to put the vial back in his bag. I'm afraid so. Bartol's bodyguard, Rook, he used some of this batch, and it worked for him. I was wondering if any of you guys might have had some latent mancer ability. Sadly, I guess that just isn't the case. It's okay, though. I'm not a mancer either. Victor sighs. Well, back to work, I guess. Victor takes some dejected steps back to the table he was cleaning. He passes by Saul, who, thoughtfully, looks over at the kitchen. Diego, are you a mancer? Diego audibly sighs from the kitchen. Afraid not. Sure would make life easier, though. At any rate, you guys have got work to do. Victor, Agatha, and Vivian all nod to this, returning to their different stations. Quetzal, feeling satisfied, returns to the kitchen with his backpack. Diego's cleaning off the stove as he's just finished his work with the Red Skimmers. Good job, kid. Thanks. I was a little worried that it was boring them. <laughs> you don't need to worry. You got away with people. Me? Uh, well, <laughs> I didn't end up yelling at them. That's what I used to do to slackers until you came along. You shouldn't need to do that. I mean, they're people. People get bored. Well, I read that as them being lazy. I barked at them all the time, trying to make them work harder, but all that did was make them quit. See, I'm used to rougher treatment, but uh, it's kind of too much for them. Quetzal puts his backpack down. He leans on a nearby counter. You did say your family was uh, rough around the edges, right? Diego sighs. <sighs> yeah. They did some messed up stuff. Mobbed up to the core, if you remember. All criminals. They wanted me to join the family business. All my brothers did it. They became mercenaries. Bodyguards. Dirty cops. And anything else you could think of. Did a lot of terrible stuff. Not that uh, I haven't done things I'm not proud of either. But I couldn't stomach the kind of work that they did for long. So... I got out when I could, went underground, and started a new life here. Had chef of my own restaurant. Honestly, I don't understand why your brothers stayed in the family business. They just hurt people, right? They had their reasons. Pride, money, honor, vengeance. You know, that old shtick. <laughs> Some of them probably even did it for the thrill of it. I just don't think I'll ever understand it. Hurting people seems so... counterproductive. It's good that you don't get it, kid. Quetzal puts his backpack on and 
starts to leave. His shift was over. Guess I'd better get going. He waves at Diego, and Diego nods. Good work today, kid. As Quetzal walks out the door, the camera swings back to Diego and lingers. He frowns. Kid, I hope you never do get to understand it. That you never have to. End scene.